You're listening to Frontlines, a podcast for the people that truly make mountain biking happen. Not the riders, racers, or product designers, but the builders, advocates, and the often forgotten board members of your local mountain bike trail association. Before we begin this episode, I want to take this time to welcome any first-time listeners. This is the first episode that is being syndicated on Mountain Bike Radio. And if this is your first time listening, as the intro suggested, this isn't a podcast for the average rider, but the Mountain Bike Advocate. And if that describes who you are, then great. I think you'll enjoy this podcast. For those of you that don't necessarily know the inner workings of your local trail association or who manages and maintains your local trails, I encourage you to listen and learn. You might be surprised about how complicated mountain bike trails just are. And I'm not referring to the roots and rocks. And if you want to contribute to future conversations, then I encourage you to listen to the very end of this episode to find out how you can do that. And if you're a returning listener, you know what this show is all about, but thank you for continuing to be a part of this conversation. And conversations are really the theme of this episode. And as much as this podcast is great for all of us to share ideas every two weeks, there's no substitute for getting together in person. And events in which trail advocates can get together and discuss all things trails, advocacy, and community are what we're going to focus on today. I'm your host, Brent Hillier, and this is episode 51 of Frontlines. This fall has seen a number of trail advocacy events. Some of them have been targeted towards mountain bike trail associations specifically. Others were geared towards a much broader audience of either trails for all user types or land managers and tourism destinations. I had the opportunity to participate in two of them. If you're a past listener, then you'll know that I attended the Western Mountain Bike Advocacy Symposium in my home of North Vancouver, British Columbia. And I also attended the 2018 Mountain Bike State Summit in Grand Rapids, Michigan. In addition to those events were the Trail Summit in Fruta, Colorado, and the Ontario Mountain Bike Summit in Brantford, Ontario. For this episode, we'll be hearing from four different participants who each represented their local trail association at one of these events. I've asked them all similar questions, but first I'll start by introducing them and the event that they attended. On October 10th to 12th in Fruta, Colorado was the Trail Summit, and to quote the event, it's, quote, a trails-based conference where land managers, communities, business owners, and trail advocates joined together to participate in three days of working sessions to address the trails-based economic development. The goal is to help attendees understand the true, broad picture of trails-based tourism. End quote. Laura Puckett-Daniels attended the Trail Summit. She's the deputy director of the Crested Butte Mountain Bike Association, and I asked her why she attended. Well, I wanted to represent the Gunnison Valley. We wanted to be sure that we attended and listened to people and shared what we know about trail development and mountain biking. So part of it was that I was going as an ambassador of our community to bring back information and share with our mountain bike clubs and trails associations. And part of it is that we have been doing trail development for 30 odd years in Crested Butte and a lot of other communities are new to trail development. And we wanted to see what was happening in the world of trails and share what we know and participate in that broader conversation. On October 12th to the 14th was the Western Mountain Bike Advocacy Symposium in North Vancouver, British Columbia, and it was hosted by IMBA Canada and the North Shore Mountain Bike Association. 
Steve Sheldon is the vice president of the Tri-Cities Off-Road Cycling Association in Coquitlam, Port Coquitlam, and Port Moody, British Columbia. And here's why he attended the symposium. Initially, the main reason was having been to the symposium in Revelstoke the year prior, there were so many good conversations started, so many good initiatives that I I wanted myself and by extension talk of the Tri-Cities Off-Road Cycling Association, I wanted to be part of that ongoing discussion. And I felt it was really important that we represented. On November 4th was the Ontario Mountain Bike Summit in Brantford, Ontario, and it was presented by the Ontario Trails Council. The Ontario Trails Council is a charity that promotes the development, preservation, management, and use of all types of recreational trails in Ontario. Andy Cox is the founding member of the Hydrocut Trail Committee with the Waterloo Cycling Club and the owner of King Street Cycles in my hometown of Kitchener-Waterloo, Ontario. Here's why he attended the Ontario Mountain Bike Summit. We were interested in uh, what we were going to see. I, I attended with a couple other Hydrocut committee members, uh, Brent Ellis and Clay Ditsund, and uh, we wanted to see what the Ontario Trails Council had for us. We, we wanted to meet other trail builders in, from Ontario, from our area, and we wanted to hopefully learn about their successes and learn from their maybe stumbles they've had, and we wanted to try to put forward some of our own successes and uh, how we work through some of our own uh, stumbling blocks as well. And the final event that we'll be discussing this episode is the 2018 Mountain Bike State Summit in Grand Rapids, Michigan, hosted by the Michigan Mountain Bike Association, the Vermont Mountain Bike Association, and the Jersey Off-Road Bicycle Association. Gunnar Carlson is a director with the Minnesota Off-Road Cyclist in the Twin Cities of Minneapolis, St. Paul. And here's Gunnar on why he attended the summit. Main reason for me would have been just to become a better board member, networking opportunities. And really, I am at a point right now where I am in school for my master's in public administration, and we have a leadership project, and this seemed to be right in line with that and getting out there and meeting some new people. Just like the topics we've covered on this podcast, there's a wide range of things you can discuss under the umbrella of trail advocacy. And I asked each guest if their event had an overarching theme. Here's Laura from Crestabute on the Trail Summit. I'm not sure what their official theme is, but for sure the focus was on how to use trails and develop trails in new communities as an economic driver for those communities. So how to create outdoor recreation opportunities and draw visitors to your valley and create a more diversified economy using trails as part of that system. And here's Andy Cox on the theme of the Ontario Mountain Bike Summit. How we could find more successes in connecting our trail groups with local municipalities to make mountain biking more accessible and to kind of get mountain biking trails as opposed to walking trails or community trails, but mountain biking trails on the radar of different local municipalities. Here's Steve Sheldon on the theme of the Western Mountain Bike Symposium in North Vancouver. The symposium was based around diversity, inclusivity, and how we as a group can improve both of those factors to everybody who wants to pick up a bike and hit the trails. 
everything from gender identification to First Nations to adaptive mountain bikes and even by extension to the adaptive mountain bikes, something that I've been thinking about a lot recently was beginners and how a lot of the time we really don't give enough thought and effort into beginner riders. As for the Mountain Bike State Summit in Grand Rapids, here's Gunnar Carlson of the Minnesota Off-Road Cyclists on the theme of that event. Overall, the theme coming into it was diversity and inclusion, and I would say that seemed to be woven throughout, but there were many topics that were discussed at the event. Diversity can be a challenging theme to tackle, and I asked Gunnar if he felt the room was open to that conversation. So I would say the room wanted to have the conversation. It's always interesting for me as a, a biracial man in, in mountain biking. Um, there are a lot of times that I don't see people that look like me in, you know, on the trails or, or out camping or wherever I may be. But being in that room and I was, you know, one of a couple people of color, but uh, every time that uh, the conversation would get to what I would call a... Um, I don't want to say uncomfortable, but you know, it's just, it's a hard conversation to have, or there's certain things you got to talk about. Everybody was very receptive. And I was actually very encouraged by the amount of people who were coming up to me after sessions, wanting to address uh, topics more, wanting to connect about it later, really wanting to make sure they understood um, my perspective. If I had said something that they found um, interesting or, or hadn't considered before. Here's what Steve Sheldon had to say about going to an event that was tackling the topic of diversity. The whole event, it had quite a profound impact on me. I I walked into the event with an open mind, but having dealt with land manager issues, with uh, some access issues in the past, those have always been forefront on my mind. And then to sit down and have the conversation about race, about First Nations, about all of the different minority groups, the LGBTQ community, all of a sudden, I'm sitting there going, are these the most pressing issues? And by the end of the entire event, my mind was reeling and I'm sitting there going, we can do so many things so much better with and some of them with very little effort. And it's something I'm still processing. It took me a long time to really fully absorb and process and sort out all of the information I got. And it's really changed my perspective on many, many things. Now on the theme of the economic value of trails, Laura mentioned that a big discussion point at the trail summit was intentionality. Fruta and Crested Butte and some of these places that have trails that are older got those trails because people started walking and riding on animal trails, or they went out at night and dug their own trails. And now we're in a new phase of what trail development looks like. And so they were really, a lot of those veteran trail builders were recommending to folks that are new to trails to be very intentional about how you design your system. So being intentional about where you want your trails to be, what kind of trails you want, how you work with your community, what kind of riders or visitors you want to attract, and making some intentional choices behind your trail development. Since we're not really doing it the pirate way anymore, we can get everybody on board and make something that works for everybody and sort of avoid a lot of the strife that early mountain bikers experienced when they were trying to get trails developed. We talked a lot about mountain biking, but there were quite a few people in the room 
who were not specific to mountain biking. There were land managers and folks from tourism associations and just people who are concerned citizens and people who work for town governments who are part of open space projects or recreation projects. And so the focus was on trails for all kinds of users. And just if you want to cultivate a user or a visitor base of mountain bikers, like that's your intention. And so create trails that draw those people in or create a community that is supportive of mountain bikers, create marketing campaigns to those mountain bikers, just to be, again, intentional in how you go about your trail development, but also integrated. I asked Laura if the discussion was solely focused on tourism as the main economic driver for communities looking to embrace trails. Quality of life and how trails and outdoor recreation contribute to quality of life are becoming a huge factor for companies and corporations that are looking for places to base out of or to have satellite offices. How do you not just get local government and local land managers and local stakeholders on board, but how do you show them that this is really good for them, that this is an amenity that they get to benefit from too, personally, as well as economically? There were a ton of great speakers and breakout sessions at all of these events, but I wanted to know which were the highlights for each of my guests. Here's Laura on the Trail Summit. For me, my favorite speaker was Ashley Korenblatt from Western Spirit Cycling and Outdoor Recreation Solutions. She lives in Moab and has been involved in trails and mountain biking for a really long time. And so she had a really interesting perspective on how to get multiple stakeholders to work together And she also was one of the few speakers who spoke to the maintenance issues and the management issues that happen after you've developed your trails. So coming from Crested Butte, where we have 450 miles of single track within a 30-mile radius of our town, like we're not, we are building a few new trails and we're doing some connectors and some reroutes, but we're not focusing on building a trail infrastructure. We have that. And so for us, the concern is how do we maintain it? How do we get funds for maintenance? How do we manage behavior on the trails? All of our trails are multi-use and multi-directional. So how do we get people to get along out there? And I felt like Ashley was one of the few speakers who spoke specifically to those concerns. She had a ton of information and she had like 10 minutes to talk. So I got as much as I could in that 10 minutes and downloaded a bunch of stuff I can come back to later. But she really has some perspective on what happens after you've developed the trails and some things to watch out for as you're going forward. Steve Sheldon at the symposium in North Vancouver had three big moments that stood out for him. Here's the first. I'd have to say that the adaptive panel was a definite highlight. I've been exposed to adaptive mountain biking, know what it's about, but the mind switch of adaptive trails make good beginner trails. Good beginner trails means you can have an entire family going out and using the trails, which means it will become your most widely used trail. And the sudden realization of why does every community not already have this? It's something I'm still trying to answer myself. And it's a conversation that we've been having. Now here's the second. One of the speakers, Judith, um, who is from the Congo, she mentioned that she was invited out on a bike ride and she never thought that she would be able to go on a bike ride because high cost of entry and the fact that she's never seen a woman of color on a bike. And that that kind of hit me. I mean, 
we just take it for granted, right? That I started thinking, have I ever felt unwelcome? And very, very rarely. And I can't imagine that discomfort that must just happen on a day-to-day level that we just take for granted. And also, you know, I've talked to pretty much everybody that I can about this. And some of the reactions are quite peculiar. You get everything from full support to I've actually received open hostility over it of people saying as a white guy, I'm sick of being portrayed as the bad guy. And, you know, it's not about you. It's how other people feel. And that's what we've got to take into consideration, right? And here's the third from Steve. At the start of the whole event, we had a privilege exercise and it was everybody stood at one side of the stage. You you took a step forward. If you answered yes to the question, the questions were along the lines of, are you male? Did you have access to books when you were young? Were you well fed? And nearly every single action, I took a step forward. But then there was a few I took a step back and it was almost hard to take a step back because it's like, I'm a white guy, I'm taking a step forward and taking a step forward. And then I had to take a step back on a couple. But I still ended up at the front of the crowd and realized, wow, there's a lot of privilege and there's a lot of people standing behind me. And there was a very big gender separation, I found, that there was a, a distinct clumping. And then one of the guys from Saskatchewan or Manitoba, a native guy, he was right at the back and he said that he felt privileged because among his peers, he had a lot of opportunity. And yet he was at the very back of the the group. And it made me realize privilege is something you really don't see. You really don't feel until somebody points it out to you. And then it becomes a bit of a surreal experience. Andy Cox attended the Ontario Mountain Bike Summit with fellow committee members, Clay Ditson and Brett Ellis. And here's what Andy had to say about what they learned. Learning how some of the other trail building organizations work with their municipalities. I mean, we, we've done, we're pretty proud of what we've done with the Hydrocut and the way we work with our own uh, region and our own municipality. But it's always interesting to hear other ideas and what other people have done. So I enjoyed, I, I'll speak for Brent and Clay, if I may too, but I believe we enjoyed hearing about the successes of other people and, and, gaining ideas from what they've done stuff we hadn't thought about connecting with other trail users and and putting together multi-trail use events and one under one umbrella kind of or uh how different people did their grant writing or got financial help uh which is always a struggle in in the trail building we've found and just how they've organized trail promotion and things like that so uh, that those were some of the great takeaways I think we found, especially the grant writing. Uh, we, we we've talked about it several times. Idea sharing is crucial, and it doesn't matter at what point your organization is at. There's always someone out there that you can learn from or be inspired by. Here's Andy again with his favorite session at the Ontario Summit. Well, I think we all were really impressed. Again, not to keep on about it, but. Uh, with Alex, the lady that was there kind of speaking to the grants that are available and her success in grant writing and just what what you could expect once you start getting good at grant writing and just how the doors can kind of open up 
financially once you start getting grants and uh, municipal money coming in, uh, how it really can change things. Now here's Gunner and his highlights and favorite session for the Mountain Bike State Summit in Grand Rapids. For me, the larger sessions really seem to help me in general as far as the conversations around inclusion we seem to circle back on a lot. And that was very productive for me personally. The As far as my wanting to become a better board member, I think all the breakout sessions really gave me some of the tools and uh, opportunities to learn a little bit more about the the inner workings of other clubs and other organizations. Uh, and I got some good good stuff from that. The session on advocacy and marketing with Aaron Peterson and Candy Kozula. It was really wonderful for them to talk about what they do professionally and what they have to offer. But not only that, they took the time to give uh, organizations some tips and tools and tricks of the trade on what you can do with your own equipment, even if it's uh, if you can only afford right now as an organization to have an iPhone out there. Really gave us some ideas on what we could do and ways to make some evergreen content uh, and get those little bumps for your social media and stuff like that. So that one really... Um, was impactful for me as far as uh, work for the board. Personally, I find these events to always be helpful. It's always great to meet people and to hear stories from outside your community. There's no denying that these events have a ton of benefits, but one of the biggest is being able to step outside of your quote-unquote bubble. Now here's Laura Puckett Daniels again. Most of my mountain biking experience has been in Crested Butte. That's where I started mountain biking. It's where I've come of age as a mountain biker. And so for me to just learn about what's happening in Wisconsin and California and Nevada and other communities in Colorado has been really, really interesting. And there were a lot of interesting people in the room representing those different places. And so they're all so passionate and have really different expertise. And so to get to talk to each person and learn about what they were working on and their challenges were and how they'd address those challenges was super interesting. Beyond the networking benefits, I think one of the biggest signs of a successful conference is the actionable items or takeaways that you can leave with. Here's Laura about what she took away from the trail summit in Fruta, Colorado. Yeah, there definitely were. Again, I think for us, the focus is a little different. So the actual like theme of the conference wasn't totally relevant to the Gunnison Valley, but I still got some really valuable things out of it. And one of the biggest things I've been chewing on since the conference is that the carrying capacity of your trails can be greatly increased by the behavior of users on those trails. So some we have a few really popular trails in Crested Butte where we have hundreds of people going on that trail a day, and some people perceive that to be overwhelming and feeling overrun. Um, And there's lots of other trails where if you wanted to get further afield, you wouldn't see anybody all day, even in the thick of July. But there's this perception of feeling like our backcountry is really full of people all of a sudden. And so I think for us as a mountain bike club and as a trails organization, we can really encourage some education around that and encourage etiquette and encourage respect amongst users so that that carrying capacity, whatever that number actually is, can feel a little bit more expansive. Um, and so for us, the big takeaway, or for me, the big takeaway was that we can do a lot to educate our members and then our visitors to our valley about trail etiquette and leave no trace etiquette and how to be in the backcountry. And we can do it in some really positive ways. Like one mountain bike club, I think from Tucson, does a etiquette 
campaign every spring where they have board members go out at busy trailheads and hand out bells to users. And it's like a free thing that they give to people who are going by to say, hey, would you remember to tell people you're coming? And it's a pretty simple thing and it's a benefit to the user. And it's not a pamphlet, you know, it's not something you have to read or a sign that you have to stop and look at. And it's a way to just like remind people, hey, like there's a lot of us out here ring your bell or say hello. Um, And so I think that kind of positive, proactive outreach could be a really natural step for our club. Something that Laura mentioned was that not every conversation was relevant to Crested Butte. And that's certainly normal with any conference or event. But it speaks to how far we as advocacy groups have come. When we sit in a room with other stakeholders and discuss economic impacts, this isn't anything new to us. And just like sustainable trail design and maintenance, We're the content experts. Mountain bikers are proving to land managers and communities that we don't just deserve a seat at the table, but we can also be a valuable partner. Here's Laura Gann on what's happening in the West for mountain biking. I think it's really valuable that communities in the West in particular are looking to outdoor recreation as an economic driver because the other alternatives are resource extraction. And that, to me is unsustainable in the long run. Whereas like tourism and outdoor recreation, if done carefully and with intention, can be sustainable economic drivers and really bring communities back up. Here's Steve and what his takeaways from the Western Advocacy Symposium were. There was a lot. Um, A lot of it was how we represent ourselves. You know, even just going through our website, we will be able to look at the wording, just make very subtle changes that some people might not notice, but there are some people that would notice and would pay attention and it would have a profound impact that just a heightened level of awareness of how we portray the sport to the public, how we behave amongst ourselves, that we can do things a lot different with very little effort and make it a lot better for many, many more people. Here's Andy Cox on his takeaways for the Ontario Mountain Bike Summit in Brantford, Ontario. I guess, first of all, recognizing that we don't need to feel bound by our finances, that there there are ways that we haven't used yet to get money to build more trails. And then another thing we came away with, something that was kind of, something that happened that I don't think any of us expected was where several of us from different groups realized there seemed to be an interest and almost a need for an Ontario mountain bike association, I guess, sort of more of a regional organization that would maybe operate under the IMBA umbrella or uh, in conjunction with IMBA, but something that was uh, a little more Ontario focused that uh, we all seem to face a lot of the same problems here in Ontario. And those problems that we all face here in Ontario might be different than what you would face on the East Coast or on the West Coast. And that if we got together and had a, an organization that uh, was focused on South Central Ontario, uh, or even Ontario as a whole, we could maybe find find more successes as a group than we necessarily would individually. Similar to statewide organizations in the United States, there's been a big conversation north of the border in Canada about province-wide organization. And it's a model that IMBA Canada is experimenting with their BC Council on the West Coast. 
And a great example of what these types of organizations can do is what happened in Grand Rapids with the Mountain Bike State Summit. That event was organized by three state-level mountain bike groups from Michigan, Vermont, and New Jersey. Here's Gunnar Carlson on his takeaways from the Mountain Bike State Summit. Uh, there definitely were some takeaways for myself. Um, myself, another board member, and then our executive director drove to the event. So we had an opportunity on the way back to Minnesota to discuss some things and to really um, process the whole conference amongst ourselves. And I was very excited to see almost immediately upon getting back, I think Matt did it the next day, Matt Andrews, our executive director, put up a few action items for our board to consider for our our retreat for the next year in our planning sessions. So that would be around the idea of inclusion and really working on some proactive statements to uh, make sure that everybody feels welcome and knows that we would like them there, as well as working on some ideas on how we can just be supportive to some of those safe spaces and micro communities that are we know are out there that haven't really engaged with us or we haven't engaged with them. And the final component to whether or not I personally consider an event to be successful or not is the food. Here's Andy again on the Ontario Mountain Bike Summit. It's okay. Can't complain. There was lasagna, uh, pizza. Uh, I'm trying to remember the name of the catering truck that was outside. Certainly it was catered. There was a good lunch. Uh, lots of coffee. For my four conversations, it sounded like the Trail Summit took the prize for best lunch. I'll let Laura and the Crested Butte Mountain Bike Association explain. It was amazing. I I was a public school teacher for the last five years and went to quite a few conferences for that. And so, you know, have had my fair share of like school cafeteria food and uh, don't usually have high expectations for professional development events and conferences. But they had somebody come in who I think she was called a backcountry chef, but the food was amazing. <laughs> Now, in all seriousness, I am a firm believer in the power of food and how sharing a meal can really bring people together for a conversation. And in addition, what all four of these events had to offer were great social opportunities to connect and keep the conversations of the day going. Here's Steve Sheldon on the Western Mountain Bike Advocacy Symposium one more time. Sat down with with some people, um, I believe it was a couple of guys from Revelstoke, and we just started having a chat and it was just casual hey how you doing stuff and then as I saw those people through the weekend there just became this sort of deepened awareness of the community that we're in. At the Ontario summit they mix some social with business. Here's Andy Cox of the Hydrocut Trail Committee one final time. Afterwards we went out and saw the new Brantford bike park that uh, Hootie built and it was gorgeous bike park in Brantford and we went and toured that right after and uh, that was a great time to just chat and get to know the other people that were there and i'm going to give the last word to gunner carlson of the minnesota off-road cyclist here's gunner on the mountain bike state summit the uh networking and the conversations and the the opportunities to engage outside of the actual sessions was excellent i really enjoyed the social function they planned for us it allowed for those other conversations to happen and for us to really get to know each other on a, you know, just in a nice intimate setting, really uh, traveling around the city of Grand Rapids and getting to see where we were too, which was nice. In 
included in the show notes are links to all four of those events. And if you're interested in attending these events in the future or advocacy groups like it, then you can check out the Google Calendar at frontlinesmtb.com events. The dates for the Trail Summit in Fruta, Colorado are already confirmed and in the calendar. It will take place October 9th to 11th, 2019. The plan for the Western Advocacy Symposium will be to take place every other year, and that will alternate with the BC Mountain Bike Tourism Symposium. That event will happen in the fall of 2019. Dates to be announced. Keep an eye on the events page for updates. Before we wrap up today's episode, I'd like to include a listener voicemail. Hey Brent, this is Blake Rosal from Capilano University. We have a tourism program and also an outdoor recreation management program at Capilano University. And I have two questions related to that program. But before I get into my question, I wanted to do a couple kudos. The first one is to you. Um, I commute daily from Squamish to North Vancouver. It's an hour each way. And your last 50 episodes have kept that drive interesting. So please keep up the good work. Um, and second is to the North Shore Mountain Bike Association. I rode yesterday afternoon, so a Sunday afternoon on Chrome, and it was amazing to see the diversity of people riding there. In fact, out of all of the folks that I saw on the trails, most of them were not quote-unquote mountain bikers. When I moved to Vancouver in 2000, I was petrified of riding the shore, and to see the transition in the last 18 years from an intimidating, hardcore riding area to now a very welcoming, family-friendly area that still has that NAR that people can really enjoy, the high-end riders. It is an amazing transition, and I, I really wanted to thank the North Shore Mountain Bike Association for that hard work in trail development, but also in just creating a welcoming space for different groups of people, in particular families on the trails. I also wanted to mention that um, since I'm not a member of the North Shore Mountain Bike Association, I made sure to donate via Trail Karma to support the trails that I occasionally ride. On to my questions now. So as I mentioned, we have a tourism program and an outdoor recreation management program at Capilano University. So what I'm interested in is how can we as educators support the trail associations, both from a outdoor recreation management perspective, but also from a tourism perspective? Is there something that we can do, something that we can talk to our students, something that we can share with our students that will help them become supporters of local trail associations. I'm looking for any tips and feedback that can help us support the educational journey of our students. Keep up the good work. Thanks, Blake. And if anyone wants to help answer Blake's question, then please reach out. You can send me an email or audio file to info at frontlinesmtb.com. Like always, you can find the show on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Frontlines MTB. You can stream the show on Mountain Bike Radio, Apple Podcast, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and YouTube. And if you haven't done so already, leave a review on wherever you get the show. It helps others find the podcast. Don't forget to support the show via PayPal. You can find a link in the show notes, along with a link to the Frontlines MTB Book Club, where a portion of any purchases made on Amazon after following those links will be sent to the podcast. The current book club recommendation is Major Taylor, the inspiring story of a black cyclist and the men who helped him achieve world fame. I just finished a chapter on some of the early history of bike racing that was very amusing. It was full of interesting characters, including a doctor called Spills that you might enjoy reading about. Big thanks to all of my guests and to Jay Darby, Christine Reed, AJ Strawson, Melissa Workman, Tom Stussy, and Ken Seebeck for hosting me at their respective events. 
Thank you to any new listeners who are joining the conversation from Mountain Bike Radio. I'll be back with a new episode in two weeks, where one of my guests will be Dana Wacker of the Nanaimo Mountain Bike Club, here to discuss membership and the system that her club uses. We hope you join us, and welcome to the front lines of mountain bike advocacy. Music, as always, is by Lee Rosevear, production notes by Jennifer Pride, artwork created by Brandon Gallagher-Watson and BGW Creative, huge thanks to Ben Walnuck and the entire team at Mountain Bike Radio, and finally, I'm Brent Hillier. This is Frontlines. Thanks for listening, and happy trails.